Good morning, everybody. Oh, we're feeling responsive today. I like it. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so I am obviously not Obed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for many reasons. Uh, my name is Tylon Pervinecki. Uh, I work for the Navigators at UC San Diego. We're a college ministry there. And I've had the joy of being a part of this church for ever since I've moved to San Diego, so about a year and a half now. Um, and it's such a joy. Um, I love all of you. love Pastor Obed and I love being with you guys this morning. Uh, if you want to know two facts that explain the entirety of who I am as a person, I grew up in South Florida, so I am literally Florida man standing before you. <laughs> I had alligators in my backyard and stuff, all fun stuff. So that's about 50% of it. And then the other 50% of it was as a kid, I was homeschooled. So put those two things together and you get this weird person that is me, that is Tylon. Um, but I'm very happy to be here with you guys. Uh, so I'm going to share a quick story of what uh, Christmas was like for uh, little Florida man Tylon when he was Florida boy at five or six years old. Uh, I remember one Christmas uh, waking up at the completely reasonable time of 5 a.m. as a six-year-old, running downstairs and all the lights were off and my parents were asleep and I was like, oh shoot, it's too early. So I ran back upstairs and my parents had the wise idea of putting stockings in our rooms so we wouldn't go wake them up to get our presents. <laughs> uh, so I like tore through my stocking. It was full with like Dollar Tree toys and candy and stuff. And then I ran into my sister's room, who's a year older. And she was already awake and doing the same thing. And we were sitting together and we we're just kind of sitting and waiting, waiting for like the morning to start. We're like, oh, how long has it been? Oh, it's 5.30. Okay, we'll just sit here. Okay, it has to have been an hour, right? Oh, no, it's 5.40. Okay. <laughs> we keep going, and then my parents wake up so late, right, at 6.45. <laughs> um, and then because of the way that my parents are, uh, before we could do anything, we had to do our chores in the morning. So we did our chores. And we had this big pancake breakfast, which, you know, would have been great on any other morning, but that morning is not what I wanted. <laughs> Uh, and then we had to sit down in the room with all the presents under the tree, and we read the Christmas story, which, I mean, I know I'm up here teaching, but when you're six years old, the last thing that you want to do when the presents are under the tree is read the Christmas story. And then, like a good homeschool family, we sang happy birthday to Jesus. <laughs> and then... All of a sudden, all of that waiting, all of that anticipation, all of that hope became reality, and we like ran to the tree and opened our presents and stuff, and it was, it was a blast. Um, and, you know, there's there's this joy when you're when suddenly the the waiting and hope that you've been experiencing comes to an end, when that hope becomes a reality, um, and that's what we'll be looking at this morning. So last week we heard from Mike Fritacci uh, on waiting in hope how the Israelites waited and hoped for millennia for the coming Messiah, the one who would bind up the brokenhearted, who would proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prisons to those who are bound in sin, God in the flesh. And today we'll be taking a look when we'll be talking about the joy that comes when that hope becomes reality in the person of Jesus through the birth of Jesus Christ. So we'll be in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20, um, and we're going to look at four things about joy. Uh, we're going to look at two questions that joy compels us to ask, and two actions that joy causes us to take. So two questions that joy compels us to act, 
uh, ask and two actions joy compels us to take. But before we jump in, let me go ahead and pray for us. Um, Heavenly Father, God, we are just so um, thankful to be here uh, together with you. And Lord, I pray through our worship, um, through, through this service, God, that you would just be glorified. Um, Lord, would you reveal to us more about uh, just this otherworldly, incredible joy that we have in you, um, that we have in your son, that we have because of your son. Um, Lord, I pray that we would um, all walk away filled with your joy and filled with gladness um, that started, that came um, when you, Jesus, um, came to this earth to save us. I pray this in your name. Amen. All right, so Luke chapter 2. So Jesus has just been born. Um, That's the passage just before Luke 2, 8. Um, And and this is what we read here. So Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear, which makes sense if you see an angel you'd probably be a little terrified. Um, And an angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So I I love this story so much for so many reasons. There's so much to unpack that we're not going to get to. Um, But Jesus has just been born. The Messiah, God in the flesh, has just arrived. And one of the things I just love is that the first people who get to see him are just some random shepherds. Like, isn't isn't that so just the God that we serve, that the first people to come and see Jesus are just normal people. I love that. Um, and this, and I, what the other thing I love too is like Jesus is born and the first thing that happens is this crazy angelic party. Like, isn't that great? Um, this joy is just, it, this uh, passage is just filled to the brim with joy. This, this incredible, um, almost otherworldly joy. And so that brings us to the first of our two questions that this kind of joy compels us to ask. Where does joy come from? Where does joy come from? And I think that this is a question that so many of us might be asking, even if we don't realize it, isn't it? You know, our our culture loves the idea of joy and happiness. The mantra of worldly culture today is do what makes you happy. And so we run from thing to thing, experience from experience, experience to experience, chasing this idea of joy and happiness, all the while running from anything that might make us 
that might be hard, that might bring us down or make us feel sad. And ultimately, as we, we go through this relentless pursuit, we find that we always come up empty. That, that joy that we chase is fleeting, here for a moment and then gone. Um, as, I, as I said, I, I work with college students, um, and so one of the most common things that I see all the time, especially at uh, UC San Diego, they're a very academically driven school, um, they're just chasing this idea of happiness that they want to see. They, uh, a common refrain is, if, if, if I can just have academic success, if I can just have my 4.0, you know, then I'll be happy. And then it moves from there to, but then once I get this great internship, I'll be happy. And then once I have the internship, you know, then, then I just want to get this great starting job. I want to do what I love, and then I'll be happy. And then you get the starting job, and they're like, oh, but, you know, if, if I just made a little more money now, I could be happy. And on and on it goes, and, and it's never quite enough. The joy is there for a minute, and then gone. Or maybe it's a relationship. I see this a lot with college students, too. They love relationships, but so do the rest of us. <laughs> um, you know, if, if I could just date this one girl, if I just date this guy, if I can just find the perfect Christian guy or Christian girl to marry, then I'll be happy. Because then I'll be, know that I'm, I'm seen, I'm heard, I'm loved. Like, that's what happiness is, right? But we all know that we're all sinful, imperfect people. Um, and that joy also is fleeting. If that's the foundation of your joy and your happiness, it'll come and go like a mist. Sometimes it might be something more hidden, more shameful, something that we wouldn't want to talk about, but that we go to to get that quick high, that quick hit. Um, for me, for many years, it was pornography. I'll just run to this one thing, just I feel bad and I want to go to this, and it'll give me that high, it'll give me, it'll give me joy, it'll give me happiness. And it's there for a minute. And then it's just crushed by shame and guilt. And I just want to say briefly, if, if, if something like that is what you're stuck in, um, there is like good news, there, there is freedom. Um, the passage, I, I read a passage in, in my intro from Isaiah um, that uh, Jesus has come, the spirit of the Lord was on him to free you from the captivity and from sin. Um, there's freedom available for you. Um, so all of these are fleeting joys that we run to, false joys. Our culture says, chase what make you, makes you happy, but that happiness never lasts, does it? Is that really true joy? That can't be it. So where does joy come from? Because the joy we see in this passage in Luke is, is totally different than that kind of happiness. It's a joy that lasts. It's, it's, it's otherworldly. It's, it's almost like we don't understand it. It's, it's a joy that surpasses understanding, that fills the angels, that fills these shepherds so that everywhere they go, they are partying, they are rejoicing, they are praising God. It's this incredible joy. That's the joy that we're longing for. Uh, as I was prepping for this talk, I was listening to a Tim Keller sermon, and, and, and Tim Keller puts it this way. He says, real joy is not the absence of trouble, it's the presence of God. Real joy is not the absence of trouble, it's the presence of God. Real, true joy comes from the presence of God. Where does joy come from? It comes from God's presence. And we see that right here 
in Luke 2. This world is an incredibly dark and sin-filled place. And all of a sudden, a ray of light, a ray of hope, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, arrives and penetrates the darkness. And the moment he comes, he brings joy with him. Look at what the angel says in verse 10. He says, fear not. For I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. The savior has come, hope has come, light has come. And with him, with Jesus comes joy. In other words, rejoice. God's presence is here and it's true and it's everlasting joy. It's not fleeting. And you know, this theme that that with God's presence comes joy is repeated throughout scripture. In the Old Testament, when King David is bringing the Ark of the Covenant, which is in the Old Testament, that's where the manifestation of God's presence dwelled, was in the Ark. When, When David is bringing the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, He's so filled with joy that he's dancing half naked in the streets. Like, talk about partying. <laughs> he's just filled with this incredible joy, and so much so that he embarrasses his wife. It's, it's a really funny story to read, actually. Um, and in the New Testament, later on in Luke, when Jesus is arriving in Jerusalem, his disciples are going crazy with joy at, at the triumphal entry. Um, it's so much so, again, that some people are like, you know, hey, hey, man, hey, Jesus, you, you want to get your disciples under control a little bit? They're, they're going a little crazy. And Jesus answers by saying, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Because wherever the presence of God is, joy follows. So where does true, real, authentic, lasting joy comes from? It comes from the presence of God. So the second question, so that was the first question. The second question that joy compels us to ask is this. How is this joy gained? This true joy, how is this true joy gained, right? We see this crazy, otherworldly, everlasting joy proclaimed by the angels to the shepherds, but how do the shepherds get it? Let's read verses 15 through 20 again. It says, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. And then in verse 20, it says, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. So how did the shepherds get this true joy? Oddly enough, it's not through this incredible experience with all of these angels, which I I think is interesting and I think it's important to talk about because so often when we think of like like spiritual joy, um, we think of getting it through some kind of spiritual high or an emotional religious experience uh, that, that we, we might get it from uh, a conference or from this amazing worship set um, or from a fantastic sermon. Uh, we think that's where that joy comes from. And, and those are all ways that we can experience this joy, but that's not where it comes from. I've been to tons of conferences. I've been to a lot of worship concerts, and I am sure that none of them even come close to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of angels all singing glory to God in the highest. And for the shepherds, that's not where their joy comes from. So where do they get this joy? 
simply by being with Jesus. They're like amazed by the angels and they run and they go and they, they go to find Jesus and they find him and it's only after that they're with Jesus that they are praising God, that they are rejoicing, as it says in verse 20. So how do we gain this joy? It's, it's, it's simple. It's, it's just by being with Jesus, right? Joy comes from the presence of God and is gained by remaining in the presence of God. If you're a Christian and you have not been experiencing this true and steadfast joy of the Lord in you, my first question for you would be, are you actually spending time with him? Are you spending time with Jesus? Are you taking the time to talk with Jesus through prayer, to have him talk back to you through his scripture, through his word? Are you taking the time to maybe even like memorize scripture, to think on it, to let it like dwell in your heart? Um, and by doing that, you give the Holy Spirit a vocabulary so that they can, he can fire these scriptures that you've memorized back at you so you know when he's speaking. So you can walk in step with him every day, every minute, every hour. You can't fully experience the joy of the Lord if you're only with Jesus for two hours every Sunday. You need to be with Jesus. You need to be remaining in him abiding in him or, or, or making, making your home in him. In John, vif, vif, in John 15, verses five and 11, Jesus says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And he expounds on that a little bit. And that at the very end, in verse 11, he says this. He says, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Is your joy full? If not, are you remaining in him? Are you making your home with him? Are you abiding in him? Are you spending time with him? You know, just this past week even, um, this was a very, very crazy, busy week for me. Uh, at the beginning of the week, my girlfriend, Katie, who was up here uh, singing earlier, whom I love very much, yeah, right there, um, she, got, she got this really bad stomach virus, and so I was taking care of her, um, and then she was doing better, and then she had some complications and ended up having to go to the ER. Um, she's fine now, which I'm really grateful for. <laughs> Uh, and uh, in the midst of that, our quarter at UC San Diego is coming to an end. So we were planning multiple Christmas parties for our students. We had like our like all day staff debrief and stuff that always happens. Um, and then next weekend, I'm directing a conference um, for our juniors and seniors, um, where we're getting juniors and seniors from I think six different college campuses all together in one place. So it's it's been a very busy week, and I was prepping for this sermon. Um, and don't you know, the first thing that was kicked out of my schedule was spending time with Jesus. It was, it's actually almost funny for me to think about now because I was, I was spending my time yesterday cramming for this sermon because I'm a procrastinator and so I'd put it off until yesterday. Uh, I was cramming for the sermon. I was like getting frustrated. And I felt emotionally like this emotional heaviness. I'm like, what is going on? And I was like going through my notes and, and, and practicing and I was like, oh, I am literally not doing what I've just been talking about. I'm not spending time with Jesus. And, and that was evident in that this, my joy was not full in the moment. So I too have to 
continually remind myself, hey, I need to spend time with Jesus. I need to remain with him. Because it's only by remaining in the presence of God that we can receive this joy, that our joy may be full. Now, if you're here and you're not a Christian, and you're tired of chasing false happiness and want true, lasting joy, the answer to this question of where is this, how can you get this joy is pretty much exactly the same. You need to be with Jesus. Jesus, the son of God, who chose to come down from heaven and become a person just like you and me with the same emotions that we have, who lived the perfect life that we could never live, who died the death that we all deserve to die because of our sin, and who three days later conquered death and conquered sin when he was raised from the dead and eventually ascended to be with God again in heaven. This Jesus wants to be with you. He wants you to be with him. If you admit that you're a sinner, if you believe in the name of Jesus, if you confess Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, you too can have this joy. As it says, as the Bible says in Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. This joy, this hope, this peace is, is there for you when you choose to believe. And I, I would just encourage you to, to stop your searching and believe in Jesus. So how is true joy gained? By being in the presence of Jesus, by being in the presence of God. Joy comes from the presence of God and is received by being in the presence of God. And so we've answered the two questions that joy compels us to ask. Where does joy come from and how is it received? And so now we'll move on to the two actions that true joy causes us to take. Two actions that true joy causes us to take. So what is the first action that joy causes? We can see it again all over in Luke chapter 2. And that first action is worship. Makes sense. It's the natural outflow. It's a natural overflowing of joy is worship. The first action that true joy causes is worship. Uh, The angels rejoice and then they worship and glorify God, right? They say glory to God in the highest. They rejoice and it overflows in this incredible display of worship with all of these angels. And then the shepherds as well, they go and they see Jesus and they gain this joy as well. And then verse 20, it says, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God. The first thing they do with this joy is worship. As we experience Jesus, a wellspring of joy springs forth in us that overflows in the form of praise of God. And notice that order because I think that's important. We don't praise God in order to receive joy. We receive joy from God and therefore we praise him. Something I love about Christianity, I love about our relationship with Jesus is that it's God who always acts first and we act in response, right? We love because he first loved us. We obey because God came to us. Jesus in the flesh came, became a baby, grew up, to chose to save us, and so we obey. And we worship because we have received this joy in us. We receive joy from God, and that joy compels us to worship him. 
And the second action that joy causes is evangelism. Joy causes evangelism. And I know that word evangelism might carry some baggage for you, so I'm just going to clarify it by saying that what I, what I mean here is simply that joy compels us to share our faith, to share Jesus, to share the gospel with others. Again, we see this with both the angels and the shepherds. The angels are filled with joy, and what is the first thing they do? They appear to some shepherds and tell, him, tell them about Jesus. They're like, hey, here's where Jesus is. Maybe you want to go check it out. <laughs> And then they rejoice and they worship and they praise God. And so the shepherds run and they go and they see Jesus. And what is the first thing they do? Verse 17. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this Jesus, this child, that the Savior has come, that the Christ has come. They share about it. And this makes so much sense, doesn't it? Because whenever... Whenever you're filled with joy, whenever you experience something amazing, you, you want to share it, right? We live in San Diego. There's plenty. There's some amazing, amazing restaurants all here, right? If you go to an amazing restaurant, you want to share it with people. You, you want to you bring other people to come, to come back with you to, um, to, to, to eat, to have that good food with you. Um, you want to leave a good review on Yelp. You want to take a picture of your tacos and post it on Instagram so that your friends in the Midwest can be jealous of you eating tacos in December <laughs> by the beach, right? You want to you, you wanna share your joy with other people. <laughs> uh, it, it's just like a natural overflow. The same is true of your faith. When you truly experience the love of God, when you recognize that you were once dead in your sins but are now made alive by the death and resurrection of Christ, when you are then when you are filled with more and more joy as you spend time with Jesus, then you have this natural compelling desire to share it. You want to share it with others. So so let me just challenge you Christians with this. Are you sharing your faith with others? And I don't mean just by the way you live. I, I think that's important too. I think we should live in a way that honors and glorifies God. But I mean, are you actually sharing the gospel with people, with your neighbors, with your coworkers, with your, with, with your friends, with your family? Are you bringing them to church? Are you reading your Bible with them? Are you asking them to read their Bible? Are you asking them to read the Bible with you? If not, why not? Because I would say it, it may be because you really aren't overflowing with the joy of the Lord. And if that's true, you need to go right back to spending time with Jesus. Because again, it's by remaining in the presence of God that we receive joy. And I know from experience, evangelism is incredibly difficult if you're not overflowing with the joy of Christ. It feels almost impossible. But when you are, man, it's just so natural. So if, if, if you're not sharing your faith, go and spend time with Jesus. Because friends, if, if the joy of the Lord is truly in you, it's, it's impossible to keep it to yourself. So to conclude, what happens when this long-held hope of the Messiah, the Savior of the Lord, becomes reality? Joy comes with it. An incredible joy that can only come from the presence of God, it'd be gained by remaining in the presence of God. 
A joy that when, when you receive it, when it fills you and overflows, it compels you to worship and praise God and to share that joy with others in ever-increasing measure. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you and I praise you, um, Lord, that you would choose um, to come down to us, to, to reveal yourself to uh, people like shepherds, normal people like us. Um, Lord, I thank you for Jesus. Jesus, we thank you that you came um, as we celebrate your coming in this Advent season. Uh, that we might have life and life to the full, that we might be saved and that we might be filled with joy. And Lord, I do pray as, as we uh, worship here, as we get ready to leave and move back into our lives, God, that we would just make, make a point to spend time with you, that we would remain in the presence of the one whom this joy comes from, that we would be filled with your joy, God. Lord, I pray this in your holy name.